Good morning. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a disclaimer this morning. Um, if I don't shake your hand today or greet you, consider it a blessing. <clears throat> my, my children decided to contract the typhoid and share it with me so generously. So we have a cold going through our house. The only one that's not sick is, our wife, is my wife. So um, good news is it's, it's a co- common cold, so Barrett, who was the first to spread it, is already over it. So it's only been like two days or three days for him. But Daisy and Remington are sick and at home. And, and I woke up this morning, <clears throat> and I've got an extra deep voice today and a little bit of a cough. So I will try to get through this without coughing too much. I do apologize up front, but I don't want to share what I have with anybody. This is one of those times where sharing is not caring, right? <laughs> Um, today, as we close out our study in Malachi, uh, and we're talking about this fresh faith, you know, we're closing out this whole series, um, heads up, next week we'll be talking about Mission Sunday, and uh, next week will be Mission Sunday for us, we'll be talking about the Ukraine team and what the Ukraine team is planning on doing this year, uh, preliminary plans, as we put together a team to go over there again this year, so keep that on your calendars, make sure you're here for that, and, uh, but we're going to close out fresh faith uh, and close out Malachi in chapter 3. So you can mark your Bibles at chapter 3. That's where we'll be today. <clears throat> How many of you know what the miracle pine is? Have you ever heard of the miracle pine? No? The miracle pine was an 80-foot tall tree that was the only one that survived the tsunami in Japan in 2011 in this certain area. And uh, it became an image of hope to the community. It survived the actual initial uh, tidal wave and the actual initial tsunami. Uh, unfortunately, six months later, it, it ended up dying. But the, the community came together because it was such a symbol of hope after that tragedy that they rebuilt the pine as, a, as an artificial pine to stand as a testament of hope and the people coming together. Uh, the image of this tree became something more to the community than it was before. Before, it stood in a stand of other trees, and it was just one tall tree amongst all the others. But after tragedy, it became a symbol of hope. Uh, people look for hope amid tragedy a lot of times. It's pretty normal for us. When, when we're going through a tragic situation, that we, we try to find something to latch onto, something to hold onto that we can find hope in, and, and try to find some sort of grasp to realizations that we can move forward. It was no different for Israel. In fact, Israel's existence throughout their exile was a symbol of hope. Because it was a symbol of what God had promised them. That he wouldn't leave them and that he would get them through this. Right? And so they became a symbol of hope. So if you brought your Bibles... Open up to Malachi chapter 3. We're going to read the first five verses this morning. Malachi chapter 3, the first five verses. Starting verse 1. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. 
He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in the former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who trust aside the, so, uh, aside the sojourner, and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. So Malachi speaking the words of God to the people of Israel, yet he reveals that one is coming soon that's going to embody the, the fullness of God to humanity. That's going to, to bring about all this, this change. He, he's talking about a Messiah. This was the great hope and expectation of God's people at the time. This is their miracle pine, if you will. This is what they're waiting for and what they're looking for. They were longing for the Lord to send somebody to come and be with them again and lead them and hold them accountable, which sounds weird, but he was. They wanted someone to lead them and clarify God's words for them. They were looking for a Messiah. Even though the history of God's people had been filled with faithfulness, uh, faith, faithlessness and sinful wanderings, outright rebellion, um, bad offerings. Remember we talked about that a couple weeks ago. They were bringing really bad offerings to God. Covenant to bless his people and to make them a blessing and a, a nation of blessing was still intact. He still was committed to his plan. The promise of God's salvation had endured throughout every season and everything that the people had done. The work of the Lord would be purifying like fire that refines precious metals. He would be the embodiment of all that God desired for his people in the flesh. He would reveal within them their humanity and their sin. And he would offer them cleansing and purity through his work. While this process would undoubtedly be difficult and painful, the trial is nothing less than the loving hand of God reaching out to his children. It's the loving hand of God trying to help his children get closer to him and have a more pure relationship with him. No longer would God's people languish in doubt and despair. No longer would they be unassured of their standing before him, but they would know where he was and where they stood. His messenger would secure them, return them, restore them. What a beautiful piece of theology when we stop and think about it. When we stop and think about this restoration, this idea that God loved his creation so much, even though his creation ignores him, even though his creation doesn't do what he asked, he loves it so much that he's going to send his son to save us. This purifying work is deeply personal and deeply spiritual. It, it, it gets worked out through intensely practical and tangible ways. God's great work of salvation, <coughs> me. 
His great work of salvation and His purifying of the people is the promise that He has made to them. And He stands true to it. It would cause the poor working class to be cared for. It would cause the wealthy to manage their business with integrity. The oppressed, the widows, the orphans, the foreigners would all be loved and cared for rather than marginalized. Although the Lord would refine people internally, their actions publicly would conform to His transformation in them. Everyone, everyone here would probably agree, you don't eat green bananas, right? Anybody ever eaten a green banana? They're not real good, are they? Everybody would kind of agree that we kind of wait for them to yellow. And, and, and that whole process of yellowing is, is that banana inside is, is turning and ripening. And it's causing the outer skin of the banana to yellow. And as it ripens, it becomes sweeter, less bitter, less firm. This isn't always true, though, is it? In fact, the other day, I bought bananas. The store will remain unnamed but I bought them at a store. I haven't bought bananas in a while. And I walked in, and they were putting out all these green bananas. And there amongst the green ones were some bright yellow ones. And I mean, they were bright yellow. They were so bright yellow that the, the two on the bottom of the bunch even were starting to turn brown and a little black. And I thought, those bananas are going to be ripe. I grabbed those bananas, threw them in the cart, got the rest of the groceries I needed, I got out to the car and I was loading the, the truck and I thought, I'd really like one of those bananas. So I'm going to take one of those really ripe ones off the bottom because it'll probably rot here in the next couple of days. I pulled it off, put it on the front seat. I finished putting the groceries away. I got in the truck. I started up my truck. I peeled my banana and I took a big old bite. It was one of the most bitter bananas I have ever tasted in my life. What grocers have figured out and what farmers have figured out is they can force the outside of that shell to look yellow without the fruit completely ripening inside. I don't know exactly how they do it with bananas. I come from Arizona and we have citrus and I know they do it with lemons all the time because they're picked green. And they put them in storage containers, they pump a gas on them, and they turn yellow. So... I was really disappointed in that banana. It had been forced to ripen, so it looked appealing. But inside, it wasn't right. It wasn't ready. Because we are God's people, when Jesus changes our hearts, we're supposed to be changed. He's supposed to change us on the inside, and that's supposed to transform to the outside. But it's not always the case. It doesn't always work like that. Sometimes we are like the unripened banana. We look like Christians. We meet like Christians. Shoot, we even smell like Christians. But deep in 